All right, we're going to start a new series tonight, and uh, we're not going into Esther yet, but we'll go through that book in a few months. But uh, between now and the Missions Revival, which is October 8th to 11th, and by the way, we need a couple of folks to uh, house missionaries. Who's interested in having a missionary in their home overnight, eat your food, and um, sleep in your bed while you sleep on the couch? No, and... Um, just treat them like kings. Amen. We got a couple today that called and said they needed a place to stay. And I said, we're not going to put you in a motel. We're going to put you in a home. So who'd be interested in doing that? Raise your hand. Anybody? All right. We got one, two, three. You're going to put them in the dorm? Praise God. That's good. All right. Good. Come on up to Dalton State College and sleep in the dorm. Praise God. We'll see if they do it. That'd be wonderful. Amen. All right. We got two or three families. Brother Daryl, if you make that note, and we'll uh, place these missionaries. Okay. Uh, we're going to do a, a unusual series, uh, Brother uh, uh, Cody, if you'll put that up, the name of the series. We're going to do uh, great chapters in the Word of God. And I'm going to tell you something, uh, there's some great chapters in the Word of God. I guess they're some of my favorite chapters, Isaiah 53, John 15, um, John 17, the Lord's real prayer. And we're going to have um, uh, different studies and just take a chapter uh, a night. And so I'm excited about that. And one of the greatest chapters in the Word of God is the longest chapter in the Word of God. And that's Psalms 119, if you'll turn there this, tonight. Psalms 119. Uh, it's 176 verses. How many's memorized it? Okay, good. And, uh, uh, you know, we, we need the Word of God. And I'll tell you the importance of the Word of God. The longest chapter in the Word is on the Word. And I want to tell you, friend, uh, if you think you can do without the Word, uh, you've got another thought coming. Uh, it's, the, it's the blueprint for your marriage. Uh, you'll never have spiritual oneness unless you go by the Word. If it's not scriptural, it is not spiritual. And there's a lot of things that you call spiritual based on emotions and feelings and sensual stuff that it's not spiritual. And um, it's got to be scriptural to be spiritual. And so the Word of God is emphasized here about how you can have a happy life. But also, I want to emphasize tonight how you can have a guarded life, how you can guard your heart. That's the title of the message tonight, Guard Your Heart. We're going to try to put this up on Keynote tonight, and you can take notes from the wall, and um, I want you to notice uh, this graphic uh, uh, cover page. When I was in college 100,000 years ago, Georgia State University majored in business administration, personnel management. I changed from accounting to personnel management because I knew if I pushed numbers all night that I would uh, probably uh, be uh, hard to live with. So I changed to personnel management, and I thought, how is that going to ever uh, be used in the ministry, and it has been, but I took a computer course, and I took this computer course uh, when the computers were as big as this room, <laughs> I mean, I, no, not the biggest room, big as uh, a little room, you know, I mean, huge, 12 foot by probably 18 foot, a computer now, how big it was, and we'd have cards, and we'd punch these cards and program this computer and feed this computer. Well, one time on my uh, test, uh, the, there was four letters, G-I-G-O. And I thought, man, what in the world is G-I-G-O? And uh, the professor told me it was garbage in, garbage out. And I started thinking about that, and that's exactly what happens in our Christian life when we put garbage in, it garbage comes out. You put gospel in, gospel comes out. So I want to preach a message tonight covering the whole book of First, uh, uh, or Psalms 119, or at least verse 9 through 24, on garbage in, 
garbage out. Everything that enters your mind influences how you think and how you act. And don't let garbage enter your mind. I think you ought to have gospel music. I believe you ought to have gospel literature. I believe you ought to have things that are pure and wholesome, and we'll give you a guideline, and we'll, we'll show you tonight some of the things that will guard your mind. Now, folks, if you don't need this, your children need it. Amen? But I know you need it, and I need it, because we all are bombarded by the things of the world, and they're not wholesome. They're usually sensual, prideful, and vainglory. And if you program this computer garbage in, garbage out. You say, where'd that thought come from? You put it in there. The world put it in there. And uh, there's a lot of things that are programmed. But I want you to see, first of all, before we get into the message, that uh, there's one, two, three, four, five, six times that this phrase is mentioned in the book of, uh, of Psalms 119. I want you to see, first of all, verse 10. It says this. No, verse 2. I'm sorry, verse 2. It says, Blessed are they that keep his testimonies and that seek him with the whole heart. Now, the heart in the Old Testament represents the mind, will, and emotion. I'll prove that in a minute. It's not this pump. Uh, you know, it's not saying that you guard this pump. I think you ought to guard this pump by exercise, low cholesterol, and no smoking, and no drinking, and no doping. Because that'll hurt your heart. Say amen. It really will. And if you don't believe it, try No, don't do that. Uh, if, you, if you don't believe it, there's many people that's died prematurely of heart attacks because they abused their body. And so the Bible says, with your whole heart. And folks, you seek him how? With your whole heart. That means when you read your Bible, you don't do it half-heartedly. When you worship God, you don't come in here, you know, to leave. You don't come to leave. You come with a whole heart. You come with all your attention. That's why I can't stand it when people text while I'm preaching. You ought to be in this text, amen? And whatever Facebook friend has, I guarantee they can wait 30 minutes to get your like or your dislike. Say amen. Come on, say amen. Or your little, uh, whatever that thing is, your sad face or happy face. They can wait, I guarantee you. But what God speaks to you about, they can't wait. Then look at Psalms 119. I'm running all these college students off. I start hitting Facebook. But look at Psalms 119 and verse 10. The Bible says this, With my whole heart have I sought thee, O let me not wander from thy commandments. All right, there it is again. We ought to obey God with all our heart. We ought to be diligent to keep His Word uh, guarding our heart. That's what I'm going to preach on tonight. Look at verse 34. Verse 34 in this longest chapter in the Word of God. It says, Give me understanding, and I will keep thy law. Yea, I shall observe it with all, with my whole heart. You'll observe it with my whole heart. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. Uh, the worst thing you can do is despise this book. Despise means counted as ordinary. That's the sin that David committed. 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 11. He committed the, the sin of taking God's word for granted. When he should have been on the front lines fighting the battle, he stayed home, saw a beautiful woman bathing naked. I guess that's where you bathe, amen. On the top of her uh, uh, palace or whatever. His palace was higher than anybody else's. He lusted after her. He took her. He conceived a baby, and then he covered up his, uh, tried to cover up his sin by getting him drunk, Uriah. He wouldn't go be with his wife, so then he had Uriah murdered. And they, in the heat of the battle, they pulled back. And the thing displeased the Lord. Nathan showed up in chapter 12 and said, 
uh, you've despised my commandments, and thus you've despised me. Thus saith the Lord. So as you treat this book, you treat God. So I don't believe we ought to be casual readers of the Word of God. I don't believe we ought to just be hitting and missing and playing spiritual roulette. One time somebody was playing spiritual roulette and said, I'm just going to point to a verse and that's exactly what I'm going to do. He opened up his Bible, turned to, I think it's um, Luke or John, and he pointed to a verse that says, and Judas went out and hung himself. I'm glad he didn't do that, amen? And folks, listen, that's spiritual roulette. You don't play with the Bible. You don't try to take verses out of context and say there's a verse in there that'll stop blood because it says it and all this stuff. And I've had people ask me the craziest questions about claiming these verses to stop the flow of blood and this and that and the other. Friend, listen, that's, that's too mystical. What you need to do is read the Bible in context, take it in context, and read it in context. Amen? And so tonight I'm preaching on how to guard your heart your mind, your will, and your emotions. Uh, and you got to do it with your whole heart. So if you're going to observe it, do it with all your heart. Then I want you to notice also verse 58. Verse 58. It says, I entreat thy favor with my, I entreated thy favor with my whole heart. Be merciful to me according to thy word. And so folks, he said, I want your favor. I want your blessing with my, with your, with my whole heart. That's, why, that's how you ought to pray, with your whole heart. You shouldn't, you shouldn't throw up a flare prayer when you're going through an intersection and see a lady driver about to hit you, or a man driver, amen? Oh, God, save me. That's a flare prayer, amen? That's emergency rations. That's not daily bread. We ought to be prayed up before we get in the car, say so amen. And I'll tell you what, if you drive like me, you need all the prayer you can get. Uh, you do. Just meet me on the road, amen? And uh, this Texan society, it's the most dangerous time to drive in the world. Most people are distracted. They look down three seconds, and the Bible says you, co you can cover 100 yards by looking down three seconds. Man, that's booking it, isn't it? Praise God. And some of us just stay on a bicycle and never get in a car. Amen. Uh, but distracted worship, distracted reading, it's a sin. It's a sin not to worship God and ask for His favor with your whole heart. Let's go, let's go to another verse. You ought to circle these whole hearts if you want to. Verse 69, Psalms 119, you with me? The Bible says, The proud have forged a lie against me, but I will keep thy precepts with my whole heart. Folks, you ought to obey God with all your heart. You ever told your children and parents to do something and they just sort of shuffled their feet and scuffed around and got the garbage and ripped it up and put it under and went outside and slapped it in the can? You know what you want to do? You want to spank their rear end, don't you? Amen. Because they didn't obey you with their whole heart. They didn't gratefully help mom in the kitchen, which they ought to, because one, one day you're going to be eating in your own kitchen. And you're going to have 15 kids, and you're going to hope they'll help you, amen, and appreciate you. So, folks, listen, we ought to obey with a joyful spirit, a willing spirit, and that means a wholehearted spirit, amen? All right, let's go one more verse, 145. Psalms 119, verse 145. The Bible says this, I cried with my whole heart. Hear me, O Lord, I will keep thy statutes. That's scriptural praying. I want to tell you, one of the greatest ways to pray is pray scripturally. Pray the Word of God back to God. It's His Word, you can claim it. You can have confidence that the Word of God is the will of God. And if you pray amiss, you'll, have, you'll never have your prayers answered. You have not because you ask not. 
but you also have not because you asked amiss to consume it upon your own lust. That's James chapter 4, verse 1 and 2. We just, we just preached that. And so, first of all, you need to guard your heart. You need to guard your heart, but you need to guard your heart with your whole heart. It shouldn't be half-hearted worship. And I want you to confuse that with uh, some emotional, you know, rock and roll service or worship. I, I'm, I'm talking about you don't have to be pumped up. This is not a pep rally. This is a worship service. But I believe with all my heart, an amen never hurt anybody. And I'll tell you something, leaning forward never hurt anybody. And nodding and coming back up never hurt anybody when the preacher's preaching. And it helps the preacher. I hope Sunday morning when I'm on vacation and my son's preaching, I hope some people come to the altar just to pray to encourage the preacher. Because I'm going to tell you something, it gets discouraging when you preach six or seven, uh, preach, uh, study six or seven hours and everybody looks at you like a mule looking at a new gate. You ever seen a mule looking at a new gate? I heard it's pretty sad, amen? You know, but listen, uh, or, they, or they, you nod and you don't come back up. You know. Or you get up five times to go to the restroom and you're under 65 years of age and that don't make a bit of sense, amen? <laughs> come on now, say amen. You know, I've seen young people get up, oh, I gotta go to the restroom. Well, go before the service, hallelujah. Amen? I bet you don't get up from a movie that long, that many times. You know, boy, look at that. So I think we ought to worship and hear and love and obey the Word of God with our whole heart. Can somebody say amen? I'm wholehearted. Praise God, when I go to a ball game and I'm, for, uh, I'm rooting for somebody, it's a wholehearted fan. The word uh, fan uh, can be stressed out to be fanatic. And so the word fanatic comes from fan. Fan means ardent follower. We ought to all be fanatics when it comes to the Word of God. We ought to bring our Bible. We ought to memorize our Bible. We ought to actualize our Bible. We ought to prayerize our Bible. We ought to actualize our Bible through obedience. And we ought to live out the Bible. We ought to be living epistles through God's Word. I don't believe in the living Bible. It's got too many uh, cuss words in it. It's got too many times the virgin burst pulled out and too many times the blood's pulled out about 365 times I believe the blood's pulled out of that Bible it's not a Bible it's a paraphrase but I want to tell you I do believe in the living Bible of your life we're written epistles and so folks I want to tell you something if you don't live it you hadn't learned it but if you learn it you'll live it say amen so I want to ask you a question how do you guard your heart remember the heart is the mind the will and the motion as a man thinketh in his heart, Proverbs 23, 7. So that means it's the mind. The Bible says you ought to serve God with your whole heart. That's the will. Hey, friend, listen, it's not this pump. Well, I asked Jesus to come in my heart. He didn't come in your heart. He came in your heart. Amen? A lot of people say, well, I think you missed heaven by 18 inches from your head to your heart. No, folks, that's wrong uh, terminology for a child. It's not in this pump. It's your being. It's your soul, it's your mind, it's your will, and it's your emotions that you ask God to come into. It's your whole life. When you get saved, it is a transformation of life. Be not conformed to this world, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Folks, listen, I don't believe that you're saved or transformed by, um, by Norman Vincent Peale, the power of positive thinking. He was real popular in, um, in, my, in my day. But, uh, folks, you're saved when Jesus comes into your life and radically changes your life. And I want to tell you something. When you get saved, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things pass away. Behold, all things come near. There is repentance. That means there's a change of life. Amen? All right, let's get to the message. Psalms 119, 
verses 9 through 24. I'm preaching on great chapters in the Word of God. Great chapters in the Word of God. I believe Brother uh, Cody said it a little better than I even said it. That it's it's uh, great, great chapters in the Word. So that's, that's going to be the series. I want you to look at verse 9 through 24. 9 through 24. Let's stand in awe of the Word of God, okay? We stand to pledge allegiance. Let's stand to pledge allegiance to the Word of God. It says, Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereunto according to thy word. With my whole heart have I sought thee. O let me not wander from thy commandments. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Blessed art thou, O Lord, teach me thy statutes. With my lips have I declared all the judgments of my mouth. I rejoice in the way of thy testimonies. As much as in all riches, I will meditate in thy precepts. That's a lost art. I will meditate in thy precepts, and I have respect unto thy ways. I will delight myself in the statues. I will not forget thy word. Deal bountifully with thy servant, that I may live, and keep thy word. I wish you'd underline that phrase, that I may live. Open thou mine eyes, that I might behold wondrous things out of thy law. I am a stranger in the earth, hide not the commandments from me. My soul breaketh for the longing that, is, that it hath unto my judgments at all times. Thou hast rebuked the proud that are cursed, which are, do err from thy commandments. Remove from me reproach and contempt, for I have kept thy testimonies. Princes also did sit and speak against me, but thy servant did meditate in thy statutes. Thy testimonies also are my delight and my counselors. You may be seated as I pray. Father, thank you for this chapter, and thank you, God, for your word. And Lord, I know we all need to improve on our time with you, our personal quiet time, our personal Bible time. Sometimes, God, we look at this Bible as just a textbook. We look at it as a manual for getting out of trouble. God, we look at it for a quick fix, or we just... We just do it as a duty to read our Bible through in every, every year. So, Lord, help us to appreciate and love the Word of God as you want us to, and we'll praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. A newspaper told not so very long ago, probably about 20 years ago, I guess, about the keepers of the SeaWorld in Orlando. When they opened the, up the park, there was a pool there uh, where the killer whale, uh, T-I-L-L-I Telecom, was, was, was there, and they found a body of a little boy. His bathing suit was in another place, and evidently this youngster had stayed in the park, hid, and after the closed park, he decided he would go swimming with the whales. And that poo was a whale named uh, Tillicum, 11,000 pounds is what that whale weighed. And when they came in the next morning, Tillicum had played with, this, with the, the body of the boy, and evidently he thought that he could have a good time with this whale, maybe a little fun like the, the, the ones that opened up the park, just swimming with a whale. And I'll tell you something, our kids today are destroyed by a monster far more dangerous than this black and white orca, the killer whale. Recent uh, special on uh, the PGA golf team, and they were getting ready last year for the big uh, tournament uh, against England. Not the President's Cup, maybe that was it. Ryder Cup, that was it. Ryder Cup, that's it. And they said that each of those golfers had a swing coach, a fitness coach, 
and a sports psychologist. You know what they were saying? They had to have somebody to teach them to keep their mind focused on that putter and on that driver and on that course and not get all alarmed when they miss a putt like I do or lose a ball in the woods and can't find it and not lose their coup. So they, they spent thousands of dollars on getting their mindset to play a little game called golf. How many play golf? Raise your hand. How many tried to play golf? Raise your hand. Okay, that's what I thought. That's the way I am. But the Bible has so much to say about the mind. I want you to read some key verses with me. Proverbs chapter 4 and um, verse 23. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. Amen. And uh, if we take two weeks on one chapter, it won't hurt anybody. But look at, and I'll just preach it next Wednesday. The Bible says in Proverbs 4, 23. I want you to look at this. The Bible says, Keep thy heart with all what? Diligence. For out of it are the issues of life. The Bible says with everything in your heart, you need to keep it. You need to guard it. You do not let, need to have garbage in and garbage out. If you, have, you hang around people that have a sorry attitude, you'll catch that attitude. You hang around people that are upbeat and encouraging and spiritual. That's why I tell folks uh, uh, that are dating, don't date uh, spiritual bums. Date somebody more spiritual than you, amen? Don't date someone that's going to bring you down. Date somebody that uh, could be a possible husband, a spiritual leader, say amen? And I challenge men, be a spiritual leader in the dating relationship, and maybe she'll trust you enough to propose to you. Say amen. You know, but uh, listen, God help us. God help us to realize that it comes through guarding our heart. Look at Proverbs chapter 23 and verse 7. Now, I've already quoted it, but I want you to see it, underline it, uh, and, and study it, meditate on it. Proverbs 23, 7, the Bible says this. It says, for he, as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. As he thinketh in his heart, so is he. Now that tells me you don't think with this pump called a heart. Your heart is your mind, your will, and your emotions. And so, folks, listen, you, as you think in your heart. Look at Proverbs 15, verse 26. Proverbs 15, I'm looking at the book of wisdom, Proverbs. And I will cover a chapter in Proverbs before this study is over, I promise you. Proverbs 15 and verse 26, the Bible says this, The thoughts of the wicked are an abomination to the Lord. You know what the word an abomination means in the Hebrew, which the Old Testament was written in? Abomination means it stinks in the nostrils of God. It makes literally God sick. Things that are abomination. And the thoughts of the wicked are abomination to the Lord. But listen to this, the words of the pure are pleasant words. Same thought, because folks, listen, you think before you speak. Well, some of us do. Amen. I think we ought to all think before we speak. Say amen. We think before we speak. But folks, if your thinker is wrong, your speaking's wrong. Garbage in, garbage out. Let me just say this. You hang around a bunch of cussers, not cursors, that's on a computer, a bunch of cussers in the mill, you might even cuss in this auditorium one night. Because you're hanging around it so much, it's just natural language to you. And by the way, if you do cuss, that proves that you do not have a good vocabulary. Amen? You ought to get a vocabulary and study the dictionary, say amen, and not have to curse to get your point across. But garbage in, garbage out. And look at uh, Proverbs, uh, excuse me, uh, Romans chapter 8, verse 6. Let's go to the New Testament. Romans chapter 8, verse 6, and then I've got to move on. Yes, we're running out of time. Uh, Romans chapter 8, verse 6, and... We'll give you the rest of the verses 
uh, later. Romans chapter 8, look at verse 6. I should have marked it. Amen. Here we go. The Bible says this, Romans 8, 6, For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and what? Peace. So we can be spiritually minded. How do you be spiritually minded? Scripturally minded. All right, so I want to give you a few things. I want to just give you four things in verses, uh, Psalms 119, verse 9 through 16, about how to guard your heart. Number one, I want you to notice the principle of purification. The principle of purification. Look at Psalms 119, verse 9. We'll stay there the rest of the uh, study. I do a lot more teaching on Wednesday night than I do on Sunday morning, Sunday night. So I'm glad you're here. We need to study the Word of God together. Psalms 119, verse 9. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed thereto according to thy word? You know, the way. It says, wherein shall a young man cleanse his way? That word in the Hebrew means a rut like a road. It means, folks, that you need to get on track. Have you ever heard this said about you? you got a one-track mind. Well, I'm going to tell you something. A Christian ought to have a one-track mind. What pleases God? What glorifies God? I want to tell you, the world has one-track mind. Matter of fact, if you get into carnality and ungodliness, men have a one-track mind. It's called sex. That's right. That's just one-track mind. It's, a, it's every man's battle. And folks, the world capitalizes on that, amplifies that, advertises that. What in the world is a half-naked woman got to do with a good car. Say amen. Come on, you know. But it attracts men, amen. And you say, well, maybe I'll have a woman like that if I drive a Buick. Now, it'll take a lot more than that for you, amen. But I want to tell you, folks, listen, it's not what, well, if I drive that big $42,000 truck, man, the women will just jump on board. No, they won't, I promise you. If they do, they'll jump right off when they find out who you are. So listen, it's a one-track mind. A one-track mind ought to be, we ought to think about God, amen? We ought to be out here glorifying God. We ought to have a spiritual mind, say amen. And it's easier preached and easier said than done, say amen. A lot of times we can watch commercials and get off our one-track mind, amen? You ever notice when a child comes through a living room or a den and the commercial's on, they stop like a robot and look at it? I often wondered what caused that. I think I know. It's many pictures quickly, and it's great music that attracts a little child. And so they know that. And so all these grown-up little boys and girls called adults, they get attracted by this commercial. And they believe that deception, and they go out and buy some they don't even need because the commercial sold them on being a one-track mind. Going up the uh, grocery store, and all of a sudden you're going down the aisle and say, wait a minute, Captain Crunch... Captain Crunch cereal. I know that's what I got to have. You got five boxes at home, praise God. I'll tell you, it was sort of uh, pitiful when uh, Miss Tinsley was having Alzheimer's and dementia and everything. Uh, her and Pappy go to the store, and every time they'd go to the store, every time she'd buy three boxes of yellow mixed cake mix. And she'd get home, and Pappy says, well, my goodness, we got about 50 boxes in here. What do we need another one for? And grandmother always have a comeback. So, well, they might, somebody might come visit us and we'll need another cake. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Praise God. You know, and I, but I'm telling you, friend, we, are, we get advertised to death. And it's not about Jesus. Amen. Folks, listen. 
Uh, we need to realize that some people have been around persons who uh, uh, just make something out of everything, from a locker room to a classroom to a construction site. They make something dirty out of every young lady that walks by, modest or not, and they just have a dirty mind. Now, where does that come from? Garbage in, garbage out. Say amen. I'm trying to help you now. Uh, Jeremiah 11, verse 8, there says there's a secret addiction, and it leads to dirty talking and dirty action. Matthew chapter 5, verse 27 and 28, talk about the power of the mind and thoughts. Let's, let's read that. Matthew chapter 5, it's the Sermon on the Mount. It's Jesus speaking. It must be important, and the whole Word of God's important, but look at the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5, verse 27. Y'all getting anything out of this? And I know every one of you need it in this room because I need it. We all need it, amen. I got three fingers pointing back at my mind as I'm preaching to yours and your heart. I want my heart to be clean. It's the only hope we have. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 27 and 28. 5 verse 27 and 28. The Bible says this. It says, Ye have heard that it is said by them of old time, Thou shalt not commit adultery. But I say unto you, that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in his what? Heart. Again, it's not this. You might think when she walks by that you've got some supernatural... Oh, throbbing for her, man. She's a heartbeat, amen. No, that's not it. It means you start thinking thoughts about her that you shouldn't think, and the only one you ought to think about like that is your wife in the honeymoon chamber. Say amen. I'm talking about loyalty. And I'll tell you something. John 15, 3 says we're cleansed by the Word. Now, folks, listen. The principle of purification, the Word of God is the purifier. Think of the Lord Jesus Christ coming uh, coming into your mind and doing spring house cleaning. That's what the Word of God ought to do. It ought to clean house. And you ought to use 1 John 1, 9, not as a rabbit foot, but as conviction. If, it, if you confess your sins, He's faithful and just to cleanse you of your sins and to forgive you of all unrighteousness. But you know what the word confess means? Not just saying, well, bless God I did it and I'll do it again. I'm sorry, Lord, I got caught. That's why most people confess their sin after they get caught. But I want to tell you something, folks. Confession means you see it as God sees it. You judge it as God judges it. You call it what God calls it, and you realize that sin put Jesus on the cross. And then you confess it. That's what the word in the Greek means, confess. It means by heart, it breaks your heart to sin. And you confess it like that. Confess means to say the same thing about what God says about it then God's faithful and just to forgive you. God will forgive you and cleanse you. John 15, 3 says we're cleansed through the what? Word. There's nothing between my Savior and my soul. What a great song that is. Nothing between. I wish it was in the songbook, Brother Randy. Maybe we can get that chorus to sing it sometime. But that's the greatest walk in the world is when nothing's between you. When, there's, when you have a clean heart and clean hands and clean actions. I was talking to Connie last night about um, the lesson that God's laying on my heart about teaching the men about um, every man's battle. And I thought about the heartache of a mate being unfaithful. I mean, I, just, just think about it for a second. The heartache, the pain, the agony. That every time you go to bed, you think, are you measuring up to that harlot that he went to bed with. When you're sitting there thinking, all of a sudden the thought comes to me, how could he have done that? How could she have done that? 
and it poisoned every day of your life because of one action of lust. And folks, I want to tell you something. The only way to prevent that is not getting a strong willpower. You cannot handle it. This thing's above me and it's above you. We must hide, we must treasure the Word of God in our heart. Read the verse again. Wherein shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. You know what the fear of God is? The fear of God is what I was talking to Miss Connie about last night. You see the end of sin before it happens. You see the visiting hours with your own children because of the affair. You see your children blaming themselves. You see your children caught in a pawn game of custody. I've been in custody cases. It's the saddest thing you ever show up in court. Custody cases. Parents fighting over their children. Fighting over visitation rights. Just calling everybody everything in the world, trying to low-rate the, the ex-mate so they can get more time with Junior. And Junior's sitting there saying, what is happening? Folks, I want to tell you something. The fear of God is seeing the end of sin before it happens. It's called wisdom. Amen? How do we get that? The Word of God purifies us. We start living for His will, not our will. Secondly, I see the principle of determination. And I went over this probably, so I'll just mention it. Psalms 119.10. With my whole heart have I sought thee, O let me not wander from thy commandments. Amen. Listen, you need to determine to stay clean. Your whole heart, the second mile. Matthew 5.41 says you ought to go the second mile. James 4.8 says draw nigh to God, he'll draw nigh to you. You submit to him and then the devil will... You can resist the devil and he will flee from you. Submission comes before the devil fleeing. Say amen. Because he ain't fleeing from you because he can handle you. But he cannot handle the one you submit to. Amen. I love it when the, I don't love it, but I, I love it when the devil knocks at my door and I say, God, I can't handle that. Would you answer the door? <laughs> and when he answers the door, I love to see the picture of the devil. I'm just picturing all this now. I don't really have these visions and all this stuff. You know, too many whoppers at 11 o'clock at night if that happens, amen. But I just picture it. The devil said, oops, I'm knocking on the wrong heart door because God's answering the door. He's praying. He's got the Word of God. It's, word of God is hid. The word hid means treasure. It don't mean you hide it. It means you treasure it. James 1.8, uh, you purposed in your heart. A double-minded man can ask nothing of the Lord. Uh, uh, Daniel 1.8 says, Daniel purposed in his heart. I'm going to tell you how you keep from sinning and falling into an illicit fair and, and being unfaithful and shaming the name of Christ and shaming the name of your children. You purpose in your heart you're not going to do it. That means you get up every morning on purpose and read the Bible. On purpose, memorize the Bible. On purpose, pray the Bible. On purpose, yield to the Spirit of God and obey the Word of God. On purpose. You don't do it when you feel like it. How many feel like exercising every morning? I've taken off seven days without exercising. I feel terrible because i got a bad back now and I can't do the elliptical. And I said, now I'm going to stop eating. I exercise so I can eat. That's my motivation. <laughs> I mean, 30 minutes on the elliptical, I said, oh, man, that's a honey bun right there. Praise God. Amen. <laughs> Woo, that's a steak. 
That's some bread with some butter on it, amen. I, that motivates me, amen. I want to eat without getting fat. And now I can't exercise because of a bad back. He said, man, you're falling apart, aren't you? Well, just wait till you get my age. Everything falls apart, amen. But it's coming back. I'll get on the elliptical in two or three months. But anyway, you need to fortify yourself. There's the third principle, the principle of fortification. Hey, listen, he that would not fall down ought not to walk in slippery places. And that's not Confucius, that's Cofilism. God does business with those that mean business. If you're half-hearted, you're not going to make it. Let me just put it this way. If you straddle the fence and you're a casual reader of the Word of God and a casual worshiper, and you don't even pay attention when you come to church, you're not going to make it. You're not going to make it. Because you're a straddler. You're a fence straddler. You're a compromiser. And you'll fall backwards every time. Say amen. Now, I don't mind you sitting on the back row as long as you listen. But a lot of people are spiritually in the hallway right now. They come to leave. And they come just to get a little dab of do you. You know, when I was growing up, and none of you young people will understand this, we used to have a thing called Brill Cream. <laughs> That's when I had hair, Hallelujah. And praise God, there was, the commercial was this, just a little dab will do you. And I used to roach it up, praise God. Amen. You remember that, Brother Steve, when we had hair? We'd roach it, we'd roach it. We had a crown right here, praise God. We looked like uh, that, those people on um, that uh, movie, uh, Howie or whatever it is. I don't know what it is. Um, good times or whatever. We, we, we were cool. You know, we had skinny jeans and roached up black hair, praise God. We had leather vest and... We were just a bunch of rednecks. But anyway, I'm telling you this now. Listen, no, no offense for any of you dressed that way tonight. But um, I'm going to tell you something. Folks, listen, a little dab will not do you. If you just want to, you know, and I'm so thrilled that some of our new members are getting in all the way. Came last night. Goes to activities. Goes soul winning. Folks, I want to tell you something. You just warm a pew, you will backslide. If you don't serve God and have an outlet, if you don't get involved in the ministry, you will backslide. And I'm going to tell you something. A lot of people say, I don't need these uh, couples retreats, and I don't need Sunday school, and I don't need Sunday night. I can just come at 11 o'clock. I'll come late and miss the, sun, uh, the, the song service, come in just in time so I can say I heard preaching and not come back another time. I'm going to tell you something. You're straddling the fence. You're lukewarm, and you're going to fall backwards. Because you will not have the defense and the sword of the Spirit and the shield of faith and the helmet of salvation and, and the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, in the battle. Put on the whole arm of God. Don't put on half of it. Amen. Come on, I'm preaching now. I wish I'd get an amen out of somebody who's never said amen. I'd just go into shock. But you know, listen, the, the principle, the principle of purification, then the principle of fortification. Look at verse 11. The word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. You need to be fortified. I'm going to tell you why. Because there's a real devil. There's a real enemy. And the Bible says there's real darts shooting at you. And the Bible says you'll lift high the shield of faith. Ephesians chapter 6, verse what? 12, 13, Brother Steve? I don't know. It's in there. You look at it. Right before 18. Maybe 17, 16. But it says, if you'll lift high the shield of faith, you can quench all the what? Fiery darts of hell. Or is it of Satan? But I want to tell you what the fiery darts are. Doubt. Atheism. There's a dart that the devil will fly at you. 
you're flying an airplane, you look at all the people, say, God can't, can't, God can't see all these people. And a doubt, a dart of atheism hits your soul. There is no God. Now, don't tell me you've never had that thought. Or a dart of doubt, I don't think I'm saved. Or a dart of, of just uh, carnality. A dart of lust. And folks, the only way you can defend that is lift high the shield of faith and let the, the Lord's Word quench all the fiery darts. In the warfare, they had darts that were filled with fire and they were dipped in oil and, and they fired them at the enemy and the enemy would put up the shield five foot high and hide his whole body behind that shield and it was leather and metal and leather and wood and it was thick shield that would quench all the fiery darts. That's the Word of God. He calls it the sword of the Spirit. Not the sword of the Lord, the sword of the Spirit. The Spirit uses the Word to defeat the devil. Amen? And so there's a fortification. You put something there in the place of that which you, you refuse, which God takes out. It's not a vacuum. You know, I'm just not going to do this. Mormons do that. I, don't, I won't drink tea. God help them. I won't eat honey buns or whatever, you know. Uh, I won't do this. I won't do that. And they're working their way to heaven with works. And folks, there's a vacuum in their life because they do not believe that Jesus is God. They don't believe in the deity of God. Jehovah's Witnesses believe He's a created being. That's blasphemy. That's, that's heresy. That's a vacuum. They're good. They're squeaky clean. And they're moral. But they're lost because they don't have Jesus. Because he's the way, the truth, and life. Not a way, the way. And so the Word of God hid in your heart will fortify you. Memorization is putting the mind of God to work. The Word have I hid in my heart. How many verses have you memorized? I'm going to give a list next week of all the verses that we ought to memorize in a month. Just one a week. And it's a you know, certain topic. I was going to put it in there this week. Folks, listen. Uh, when your scriptures in your heart, when you have scripture in your heart and your mind, you're thinking God's thoughts after Him. That's what the Word of God is. It's God's Word. And folks, when He was tempted, Matthew chapter four, what did He do? He said, "It is what written." And what did He do? He quoted right the scripture that the devil misquoted. Amen. That's what happened when He when when the when the um, uh, devil came to Eve, what did he say? Yea, hath God said? You know what he should, she should have said? I'll tell you exactly what he said. Genesis 2, 17. And quoted it to him. But then she said, well, maybe he is holding out on me. Yeah, maybe, just maybe I should follow my will and not God's will. Folks, memory is a blessed, wonderful thing. But I want to tell you why God gave you a memory. To memorize the Word of God and let the Word of God answer the devil. I want you to turn to Philippians 4, 8, 9. I've got to close. My time's up. But I had to share this. Philippians 4, 8, 9. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. You got your word, amen. Hey, listen, we're not palm readers, we're Bible readers. Bring your Bible. Amen. You read your palm, it'll find, you'll find out you did something today and got something on it. But look at this, Philippians 4, 8. The Bible says, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, 
whatsoever things are, are, are pure. Whatsoever things are lovely. Whatsoever things are good report. If there be any virtue, if there be any praise, what's the last phrase? Think on these things. Garbage in, garbage out. Casual reading is like a bee um, just flittering around the, the surface of a flower. Memorization is like a bee going down into the heart of the flower and gather, gathering the nectar. But meditation is like a bee taking it back to the hive and making honey out of it. You ought to meditate. And I'm not talking about this transcendental. I could do it because I ain't got no hair. I could sit on the sidewalk and, hmm, you know, and, and put my hands like this and I could be uh, Mideastern meditation. I think that's a foolish way to live because you're, you're meditating on what you can do and what Allah can do and what Buddha can do. Folks, I want to tell you something. Meditating on the Word of God is what God can do and who God is. It comes through the Word of God. Look at verse 9. These things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. Let me close with this thought. And we'll continue this next week. A thought. Excuse me now. Listen, listen. Some of you left. You're already packing up. You got your pens up. You got your books up. You're wondering if your kids are eating too many hot dogs. Don't worry about it. They're having pizza. But listen, the thought is a dress rehearsal for a deed. Let me, that's why you need to listen when I preach and not text. Because I'm going to tell you something. No matter who's texting you, it's not as important as the message from God's Word. Amen? That's why I would never read my Bible from my phone. Never. You know why? Because as soon as I did that, somebody in another time zone would say, Hey, Brother Wayne, what you up to? And I'd be saying, Oh, I got to concentrate, I got to concentrate, I got to concentrate. And I'd just have to say, Not much. <laughs> you know? And I'm totally gone. Amen? Because I got a one track mind. But listen. Thought is a dress rehearsal for the deed. You sow a thought, you reap a deed. You sow a deed, you reap a habit. You sow a habit, you reap a character. You sow a character, and you reap a destiny. It all begins with a thought. Good thoughts bear good fruit. Bad thoughts bear bad fruit. Man is his own gardener. You choose your thoughts like you choose your friends. What you need to do is put a guard on your mind. It's more important than a scarecrow in your garden. Say amen. It's more important than a security system on your house. How many's got one of those? I got three of them in my backyard. They'll lick you to death, but they think they're vicious dogs. Amen? You need to have something on the gate of your mind like an airport has a security guard. You need to have a security check on the gate of your mind. I'll take this up next week. I'm going to take every word in Philippians chapter 8, 4, verse 8, and it'll set you free. It'll set you free. The first one was reliance test. 
Put it up there, brother. Um, Cody, reliance test. Whatsoever things are true. Is it true? Is it honest? Is it honorable? Is it worth respect? Don't let anything that dishonors enter into your mind. That's why pornography is so wicked. It's wicked. It's sinful. It's habitual. I'm going to tell you something. It's addictive, it's aggressive, and it's deadly to a marriage. Come on, say amen. And it's every man's battle. We've got the right, rightness test. Is it just? Don't let any crooked, warped thinking enter your mind. And then we have the reverence test. Is it pure? Is it pure? You can't get any pure than this book. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this lesson that we need so desperately. I know I need it. And sometimes, dear God, I rush through the day and say, man, I hadn't even read my chapter yet. I hadn't read my verses yet. Lord, we get jumped to our religious duty and try to read through the Bible at lunch or something. Dear God, help us to hem in the day at the beginning so we won't come unraveled. Help us, God, to fortify our mind. Help us, dear God, to purify our minds. God, help us to equip our minds with the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, and defeat Satan's thoughts, and then actions, and then destiny, and then character before it even takes place. God, help us to nip it in the mind. God, help us to purify our minds with your word is our prayer.